and welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Tiger Cast. I'm your host, Michaels, and we've got a bit of a different episode today. We're, we're running with three guests for the first time, so should be an interesting episode, and no doubt we'll get some pretty good thoughts along the way. And with that, we'll welcome our guest to the show. So first off, I'd like to introduce TigersFan35. Welcome to you. Hello. And next up, we've got ReaperX. Welcome to you. Thank you. How are you? Going well, thank you. And finally, we've got Even Exhale. Welcome to you. Good to be here, Michaels. Okay, and um, as we always do, we'll, we'll go through everyone one by one and just find out how they became a Richmond supporter. So, Tigers fan, how did you become a Richmond supporter? Yeah, my story's a bit like Kiwi Tigers um, from last week. Um, my dad's always gone for Richmond, has fo- very fond memories of the... Uh, 1980 Premiership, and um, so he's always he's always taught me to go for Richmond. So I think he brought me to a few games in early 2008, and um, 2009 rocked around. You know we we're having a horrible season, and um, my godfather tried to get me to go for Collingwood, and um, I remember we played Melbourne. Uh, that was like the only game that I was ever pumped up for. And we um we managed to beat him after the siren with Jordan McMahon, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a yeah, game. Even though, even I, though was I was tanking. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, it was. Um, so after that, never turned back. And um, I've always gone for Richmond. But um, my brother is eight now. So in 2014, when we had a bit of a bad start, he was going for Richmond. And then my godfather came along. Took him to Collingwood, Richmond. Collingwood thrashed us, and he's been a Collingwood supporter ever since. Oh, he's having a good year this year, then, isn't he? <laughs> he's not enjoying it too much. No, no, he can um, sit in the same boat as Adam Trelaw. Collingwood do have the better lift. Naturally. But he'd also love to see us win a final as well. So Yeah. Uh, and even Exhale, what about you? You had to become a Richmond supporter. Yeah, so for me, it was uh, pretty much, um, you know, my old man was a uh, pom, came over when he was eight years old in the uh, glory days of uh, 1980 when we were winning premierships and whatnot. And uh, uh, one of my first uh, memories for being a, a young, you know, child, I mean, was at a, um, actually at a pre-season game, my dad tells me, I remember it against Carlton, um, where we played them in the pouring rain, I, I Apparently we got smashed, but um, no, I was sitting there as a little one-year-old with my flag, and Dad actually said to me that two old ladies came up to him after the game and said, we've never seen a child sit there the whole time and actually um, watch the game without fidgeting or, um, you know, like running around or crying or whatever. So I just sat there throughout the whole game. And um, now I've been a member for – this is my 20th year now. So, um, no, the Tiger, Tiger spirit runs through the whole family. So, yeah, no, my dad – He's a passionate Tiger Tiger man, and uh, he actually, my mum, um, she was a Collingwood supporter, and he told her that he wouldn't marry her unless uh, she made the switch. So, yeah, he's pretty, pretty religious with it all. So, uh, yeah, nah, it's just the same passion that's instilled in me. So, yeah. Oh, very good. That's pretty much it. And Reaper X, what about yourself? How did you become a Richmond supporter? Okay, so, yeah, so I was an Essendon supporter as a little kid, Um just until I was like five, and then I saw the semi-final between Richmond and Essendon, and um, it's it's funny because I, I I my favorite animal a cat, my favorite animal was a cat, and uh, you would have thought I'd be a Geelong supporter, but for some reason I was just attracted to the yellow and black um, of the tiger, and seeing them in that final was just they they showed such heart and spirit, 
And um, yeah, just from then it's just grown. Um, I wasn't massively into it as like a preteen, but um, I think I started really getting into it again, sort of at the end of the Frawley era. And um, I think Wallace really brought about some hope and, and um, didn't quite end well, but just from there, it's just grown. So. It was all about the five-year plan with Wallace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really think if Wallace today had our list, I think he could do well, honestly. But I just don't think he had the resources. But anyway, that's another topic for another time. But um, I, didn't, I don't have as much hate for him as I do for maybe a few other people. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll push on to the autopsy play of the thread, play of the thread, play of the year award. So these, these are the votes from after round 22 against Fremantle. So the five votes went to Jacob Townsend, Dusty got the four votes, Kane Lambert got three votes, Nan Curvis got two, and Sean Grigg got one. So the updated leaderboard is in fifth place, Toby Nan Curvis on 19 votes. In fourth place, Kane Lambert on 23 votes. Third place, Alex Rance on 38 votes. Second, Trent Cochran on 40 votes. And in first place, Dusty on 71 votes. Um, Jacob Townsend, I, I think, thoroughly deserved the five. Yeah, definitely. The other one that probably could have gone a little bit higher was Sean Grigg. I mean, it was good to see him in there, but I thought he did a monster amount of work with not much recognition. I think there's a lot of haters of Sean Grigg on the board, but he definitely had a good game, especially having to wear the ruck load as well for, for part of the game too. Yeah, he loves getting in the ruck, doesn't he, old Grigg? He's got a pretty good leap on him as well. Yeah, he does. He does all right. I feel like that became that that meme from the board became a thing. I think Hardwick's gone on there one day and said, <laughs> "Hang on, Griggs is rock. Wait, let's, let's actually do this. Let's see. Let's see what we can pull off here." And, and I think it's actually worked out pretty well. It has, uh, although it's only going to take like one knee to the ribs, and he's going to be out for a while. So hopefully we can avoid something like that happening. But yeah, no, exactly. I think he did a really good job. So and yeah, once again, wrapped for Townsend to get the five. I'm sure we'll speak about him shortly in the review. But he was fantastic. We'll, uh, move on to the roast and toast. Uh, we'll start off with you, Reaper. You've got a roast for us. What have you got? Um, yeah, so I sort of um, was thinking about which to go with. And I mean, for me, when we first you know, discussed it, it was the umpiring at Geelong. But I think for me, I wanted to actually have a bit of a roast of an opposition club, and that was Fremantle. Um, you know, this is a club that two years ago were, you know, basically unbeaten for the first half of the year, similar to maybe North Melbourne last year. We've gone on to, uh, over to Perth and smashed them um, in 2015. And then um, from there, they were still a decent team, but they just never had what it took to, to really um, to do anything of note in September. And, I mean, it's rich coming from us, I guess, because we haven't won a final for 15 years. But at the same time, I think Frio have just overcommitted with Ross Lyon. Um, you know, 2020, he's got a deal to. I mean, there's no other coach in the AFL that has a deal till that time. Um, what have they done in the last two years? Um, they've got a bunch of nothing players that are just not performing to any sort of standard. Um, and yet somehow, you know, they can they can just have this small little, you know, five or six game streak where they look okay and everyone forgives Ross Lyon. And yet if Richmond has one bad game, people are all over Hardwick. So I, I think the roast for me is Fremantle, why the hell did you sign Ross Lyon to twenty twenty? That's pretty yeah, it's, a, it's a long contract for a coach. He, can't, he surely can't last that long continuing the way they are. I mean they've got they've got no forward line at all. I mean I don't know. How good how good was he going? Yeah, exactly. 
they had no plan for after Pavlich. I mean, McCarthy's not a Pavlich type player. Um, they need someone in the mold of a Hawkins or a, um, you know, even a Tom Boyd, that sort of thing. And I mean, to be fair, I guess we don't have that player either, but um, Fremantle unfortunately don't have a midfield either aside from Fife and maybe Neil, but I think Neil's overrated. Um, doesn't impact games as much as he could potentially. And who's their back line? Their back line's full of nobodies. So I, don't yeah. know. I, I, I think Fremantle is the worst team in the league and I think they're worse than Brisbane and Carlton. And I don't think they're showing any signs of improvement. So that, that's my roast. Um, <laughs> no, fair enough. And Tigers fan, you've got the toast for tonight. What have you got for us? Um, I'm going to toast our forward line because, um, you know, at the start of the year when we lost Griff through concussion, it was all a bit, um, you know, oh, we don't have a second tall. You know, we're going to struggle. And I just found it incredible how it's all we've all adapted to that and we've got this incredible forward pressure that's clearly best in the comp at the moment. And, um, you know, we've overcome the doubt of not having – the, the second tall and you know we've I know we've put Nank up there a couple of times but it hasn't really actually serviced as a tall forward it's just sort of take the mark and you know contest the marking contests instead of uh, always getting out marked but I, I thought that I know, I know it's Freo and you know the, they don't exactly have the best back line but um, I thought it was just incredible see how everyone worked well together and it was um great team performance in the forward line. It was. It was definitely one of our better games going forward, albeit against, you know, a struggling back line. But, yeah, and like what you said is spot on. We haven't actually had anyone play the second forward role to be a, a proper second forward. It's just to be yeah. a marking option so Jack doesn't get triple teamed. And it served its purpose, to be honest. But, you know, it would be nice to have someone like, you know, Tom Lynch, for example, or Tex Walker, who could play that genuine second forward role and actually hit the scoreboard and be dangerous. But, we've, like you said, we've adapted and, we've, you know, we've done what we can with the plays that we've got and it's working for us. So we can't ask for much more at the moment. Yeah. And even Exhale, you've got another roast for us. What have you got? Yeah, I've got a roast um, back from a couple of weeks ago, Custom. Our minds back to the Geelong game because I was down there, uh, made the trip down the uh, the highway of hell, travelling back 30 years in time as you do down there. But um, no, I was walking around, you know, get get to the footy, you know, obviously keep for my, uh, my pre-game feed. My, my pie, chips and coke is usually my, uh, my signature, always has been. And uh, walk around the, the ground, you know, lining up in the usual, you know, pre-game queues are pretty long. Get to the front, you know, no pies. Go to the next place, no pies again. Three places, no pies. So I went, stuff this, had to had to settle for some dim sims, and I wasn't too happy about it. I mean, you know, turn it up, Geelong. I've come down here to this, uh, this boutique stadium that you guys have built. It's meant to be the bee's knees and can't even deliver me a pie. I mean, Come on. Um, and, you know, just even the pregame entertainment, they had a, a, a marching band thing played. It was just horribly distorted over the speakers. I mean, it was – they were playing the, you know, the Geelong song and, you know, like pop pussycat dolls and whatnot marching around. You know, it's getting horribly distorted. I was like, you know, I was not having a good time. Settling for the Dim Sims, this horrible marching band played in the background. We ended up losing – going down by, what, two goals. And, uh, yeah, I didn't enjoy my time down there. So that's uh, my roast on the uh, food and the pre-game entertainment, I guess. That uh, that all equals a long drive back home is what that equals. Oh, yeah, very long, very long trip back up the highway with the old man. And as yeah. I said to you in the, in the PM, they boast about having all these flashlights in there that are worth hundreds of thousands, but they can't yeah. serve you a meat pie. Exactly right. Exactly I, right. I feel like I know where the meat pies went, though. I think maybe all the umpires 
were just having a meat pie whenever Richmond deserved to get a free kick. And then they put the pies down whenever the Cats went for the ball and, and, and you know, and, oh, someone just slightly touched Dangerfield, free kick. You know, I, I think maybe that's where the pies went. Oh, yeah, it definitely wasn't Stevie Motlop because he yeah, played the blinder. Yeah, either that or so Stevie Motlop had him. <laughs> yeah, the, um, I was at the uh, Collingwood, Collingwood Geelong game and everyone's getting into Dangerfield for his, uh, you know, the umpire's pet and it's it's somewhat true actually. I mean, normally Collingwood, Collingwood fires it. Collingwood fans are well off that. Um, not usually correct on that sort of stuff, but um, I have to agree with them. Dangerfield does get a lot of free kicks that he doesn't deserve. Yeah, a lot of them, we won't harp onto it for too long, but a lot of them just throw their arms up when they get touched and the whistle's blowing. But anyway, yeah. we could go on about that all night. We'll uh, push on to the review of the Frio game. So Richmond 25-5, 155, defeated Fremantle 7-9-51 by 104 points, which put us back in a fourth spot. And I suppose the incredible thing about the scoreline is we only kicked five behinds. That in itself is an outstanding effort given what we've had to look at for most of this year. And it just goes to show the age-old saying that well, bad kicking is bad football, but on the flip side, good kicking is good football, obviously. So the boys did extremely well. Um, the first quarter, though, was a little bit nervy, I must admit. So Freo, Freo were definitely on top of us in the first. Their pressure was exceptional. Um, the repeat inside 50s were really concerning. Luckily, they missed a few goals and put some out in the full. Um, Nat Fife was tearing us up. No one could get near him. And, of, of course, Benel comes back after however long he's had off and kicks two goals. I thought, here oh, we go. It, the stars are aligning massively yeah. against us. It's <laughs> not going to pan out how we <laughs> thought it was going to. But as we all saw from the second quarter onwards, it was literally all one-way traffic. So an eight-goal eight two-second quarter really paved the way for one of our more clinical performances for a long time. Uh, Reaper, what do you think of the game? Yeah, um, I'm. I okay. Your sentiments. I mean, for me, it was very nervy first quarter, and I had a bit of trouble watching it. But then um, after that, I just thought, look, screw it. It's our chance to really make a statement, and uh, and we did. And I think the big thing for me, um, you know, everyone's looking at their scoreline of 155, but we only had 30 scoring shots. Now, that's a lot compared to the inside 50s. But I think we had around sort of 50 or thereabouts. But um, in in the past games, like for example, against Carlton um, back in round 14, we had 20. 29 scoring shots. We kicked, we kicked 84 points um, against Hawthorne a few weeks back. We had, I believe, it was yeah, 28 scoring shots. So really, we 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 didn't play too differently um, in terms of our generating opportunities. I think the big thing for us was just actually converting and actually putting that scoreboard pressure on. Having get, getting to like nine goals or eight goals straight um, really put the pressure on them, and then from there it just kept rolling on. And plus, I think the pressure that Freo were putting on us, we weren't getting shots from on the boundary line we were getting them from 30 meters out directly in front that also helps as well yeah definitely and tigers fan i'll put this one to you typically in games we've seen of us this year we've gotten to four or five goals ahead and we've kind of just stalled did you expect us to kick on like that or did you think it was just gonna we we're just gonna hold them at arm's length and that was going to be it for the game i definitely didn't expect us to, to put it away I, I think i tipped around 30 points just because we, we haven't done it all year and Dimmer's come out and said, you know, we're not that sort of team. So, yeah, I, I definitely didn't expect it. And it was definitely a pleasant surprise considering, you know, we played with dominated teams, Brisbane, Carlton, haven't put them away. And it was, it was good to get the percentage boost because, uh, you know, our percentage isn't exactly looking too flash considering the amount of points and wins we got uh, this year. 
Yeah, and the percentage is, in- is interesting because I don't think, well, prior to this game, I don't reckon a lot of people factored it into the equation for the final standings because it, it just wasn't that great, like you said. But we've now actually put ourselves in a much better position to potentially finish third. Uh, and even Exhale, put to you, if I'd have told you before the game that Jacob Townsend would kick six goals one, what would you have said? Oh, I would have said you need to go down the loony bit, I reckon, because uh, nah, actually, it's not that surprising. I did see him play in, um, down at Frankston a few weeks ago in the uh, seconds, and, you know, he was playing around half forward line. Uh, some of his, you know, his like, you know, little half half volley pickups, um, you know, he was very lively in the forward pressure and stuff. I mean, he tackles like an absolute maniac. Um, but, no, nah, I mean, obviously, he's, he's popped up for the game of his life right at the um, at the right time because, um, I mean, a lot of people on the board would have sort of had him in the, you know, the Dundee list bin. But, um, no, yeah, and, and um, I saw him even when he came off the um, the ground. They they swapped him off. I mean, he came off the ground and kicked the old, uh, the old tin bench because he was so um, angry about being taken off the ground. So, I mean, it just shows how... Um, how determined he is, I guess, to uh, to make a stand for himself, I guess, with um, yeah. you know, try to try to cement himself a spot of the team. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying for a few weeks or a few months now that he should have been coming in because his VFL form has been quite good. Yeah. It, it is really nice to see good reward for effort because quite often you'll see a player will do well in the VFL, come in, and then have a, have a stinker. Have a stinker, and, yeah. And, and they're Tell back down hunt. to the VFL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and that's uh, been Lennon's problem. Like, honestly, like, Ben Lennon's had that situation. He's, he's smashed it in the VFL a few times, and then we've brought him in once or twice, and, he, he, you know, it's just been poor timing, and then um, he gets kicked out straight away. So hopefully, um, if Townsend has a good game against St Kilda, he can get himself a final. But um, unfortunately, those players on the cusp, though, they you know if they have if they don't perform out of their skin like Townsend did, they're off, they're out. Like that's the way we've been at the moment, or recently anyway. Yeah, I think I think it's also because we've got a lot of players in the same position in that sort of boat. You know, we've got um, we've got Lloyd, we've got. Um, you know, we've got, we've got Miles who always comes in and stuffs it up uh, off the back of an incredible VFL performance. So, mm. yeah. it's it's yeah, it happens a lot. And do we think that Caddy and Townsend can play in the same team? I personally think yes, only because Townsend's role can be predominantly up forward because he he will crash packs and bring the ball to ground. So, there's that solves that issue and that allows Caddy to play a bit more midfield time and then can rest yeah, forward. So, can, can it work side by side? I think so, personally, because, you know, Caddy's more of that, um, yeah, as you said, you know, Caddy's can, can more push up, up the field, I guess, a bit more. And he, I mean, he allows him for that those runs, you know, Caddy goes on those 50-metre runs down the field to get onto the end of the end of the kicks, you know, he looks a bit like a cherry picker. But, um, you know, like Tano, you know, can provide that sort of, you know, that manic pressure and allow, you know, ease the pressure off Caddy a bit, get him a bit more of the ball in his hands. I mean, free him up a little bit. I mean, he already already does so much hard work off the ball. I mean, imagine with that workload, you know, lessened a little bit. Yeah, exactly. The um, the other player I want to mention as well is young Jack Graham, made his debut. A team high, 11 tackles, 13 disposals and a goal. I thought he had a, had a great game. Uh, he looked snackered at quarter time, I must admit. I thought, oh, he's going to blow up pretty quick here. Yeah. But as the game went on, he did not look out of place whatsoever. His clean pickups, quick hands, um, good pass by foot. We could have a steal in our hands here. Just looked like a footy player, didn't he? Just straight up, ready-made. 
I was bullish on him in the draft. I think I really thought that um, he would come in early. Uh, I think he had those injuries early in the year, but I actually thought he'd you know potentially be a chance to debut in round one. Um, I think he had the couple of injuries and, and whatever it might be. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm surprised it's taken him this long to get a debut. To be honest, because he's had some pretty good VFL form as well when he's come back. But he, he looks like a ready-made you know gun. Not sure if he's going to be an absolute superstar, but he's certainly going to be up there um, doing well. Absolutely. And we'll finish with this one. Tigers fan, Alex Rance kicking that goal. How, how exceptional was that? Oh, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, he's, um, he's actually, what I've noticed over the past few um, few weeks is, for, for a tall defender, he's, he's quick. He's, um, he's really quick off half-back and, you know, he's, he's, he offers more than just the intercept mark, actually. He does, and it's, it's. I don't know what the actual thought process is with putting him up there, whether it's an alternate if he's getting tagged out of the game or whatever it might be, or if they were doing it simply because I think he's from Perth and it was just more of a, a fairy tale thing for him to kick a goal over there. I don't know, but it was in, an interesting move. I didn't mind it. Yeah. I feel like Hardwick, Hardwick's shown that um, he can do different things with Rance. I think he, there was a there was a game where he put him in the midfield for a little bit. I don't think it actually worked. But, no, that one didn't um, work. <laughs> that one didn't quite work. But but he, I think he's willing to, because of Rance's um, you know, aerobic capabilities and his just general eliteness in terms of his, you know, his athleticism, I think he can put, you know, he could potentially play multiple positions, but I think he's best suited in defense, obviously, being a, a defender. But uh, I think it's a good weapon to have, you know, similar to maybe even a Harry Taylor sort of situation yeah. where you can, you know, chuck him up forward for a couple of minutes if we're, you know, needing a big target down there. I think it's a good sort of thing to have up your sleeve. Yeah, I the bloke who did a bath on him a few weeks ago in Geelong. Harry Taylor. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yep. I feel like he's he's too good defensively to, you know, uh, to switch him up forward for, like, extended periods of time, but definitely an option. He could be an option um, leading forward. As long as we don't start him out of the goal square next week, it'll be fine. Well, the improvement of Grimes and Asprey, I mean, you could, it gives you that flexibility with how good those two have improved this season that we can throw Rance up forward. I mean, it's yeah, not so exactly. much a one-man army down there. No, Asprey more than holds his own now. Um, he does yeah. an exceptional job week in, week out. So it's probably a good compliment to those guys as well that they've got that much trust in them to still get the job done without Rance being down there. So it is Definitely. giving us a bit more flexibility, which is nice. Well, I'll push on to the Chris Yaron saga that kind of reared its head again uh, last week. So he obviously come out and admitted to having a drug problem, problem with ice as well as mental health issues. Deliberate, the poster on our board, made a great thread on it um, and just posed the question, are we owed an explanation from the club as to what they knew at the point of trading for him? It's We, we gave up pick 31 and our future second rounder to obtain the pick used for Yaron. Reaper, do, do we need an explanation from the club on this? Um, it's a tough one because I think if I think we need an explanation in regards to how much did they know. I, I don't. I don't fault the actual method of what they were trying to do. Essentially, what they were trying to do, I believe, is, is fast track that small forward um, development. Now they were also obviously having they were looking at Yaron for either that that sort of small forward position or that running defender position. And I think that they were going to probably look to trial him in both both uh, positions, you know, if he had come on well. But um, I don't fault the recruiting of him in the sense of the idea behind it. I think 
potentially we were a little bit desperate after that um, 2015 uh, elimination final loss. And I think that we just, you know, probably obviously didn't do our due diligence. Um, you know, I don't think we need to be, you know, stringing up and quartering people for it. I think that it's, it's done now. We, we gave him a chance. He didn't work out. But um, probably in the future, it's a good lesson to learn, you know, to probably do our diligence a bit better. Um, I reckon we just leave it as it is and just move on, have a finals campaign, try and win a few finals and you know, leave the past where it is, to be honest. With you. Yeah, no need, to, um, no need to get involved in that really. Uh, considering where we are in the season, and it's not that it's not that um, important really to give an explanation about uh, this situation, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely, it's a bit like crying over spilled milk. I mean, it's done. Yeah, push on. We've got more important things to focus on. I mean, yeah, try to give you a chance, I guess. Hmm, I, I'd personally like to hear if they knew, just because it's a massive blunder if they did know how bad definitely. it was. Um, and someone has to be held accountable for that kind of decision because you look at giving away pick 31 in a second future second rounder, that's some good young talent to come into the side that we now don't have and we haven't gotten anything out of Yaren. And I just want to say as well that it's absolutely wonderful news that he's getting over the habit and he's on the right track. So this yeah, is nothing great. against Yaren in the slightest. It's top marks to him. It's more just a thing with the club that if they knew all of this, I, you know, I'm all for trying to help people out and things like that. But if they knew that's a massive, massive risk for not knowing if you're going to get any reward from it. So look, hopefully they did do all their right checks and it was just something they didn't know because they weren't legally allowed to know unless Yaren told him, which he didn't. Um, but yeah, it's... Obviously, all the best to Chris Yaron, and, and it would be good to see him come back and play a good level of football. Um, and knowing how Richmond work, he'll get drafted by someone else and tear us to shreds when he plays us. That's just Amen. an absolute <laughs> odd-on thing that's, to happen. That's my problem, actually. See, if I was to have any issue with any of this, it would be the fact that I, I, I really don't see how Yaron should be allowed to come back without us getting first priority on that. Because... Like, if he wants to come back, I mean, I'm not even sure if we'd take him, but, like, yeah, it just doesn't seem fair to me that we've given up those picks and then um, we, you know, we don't get anything out of him at all, but then he comes back. I mean, like, I'm not saying I'm not saying to fight him, but just, you know, sh- should we not um, get some sort of, um, you know, restitution for that? Like, a, a, even if it's a low-round draft pick or something. I, I don't know. Is that even possible? Like, I Kind of along those lines, I heard Damien Barrett talking on Triple M today about this issue as well, and he was saying that while it's it's very hard for the club that's the players being traded to to know about all these issues because they legally can't be told by the doctors and all that kind of stuff, the AFL would have known. And he said, "Is it fair for the AFL to let that kind of trade go through where they knew that this this player had a drug issue that was probably going to not allow them to play football, but yet they've allowed a team to give up?" draft pick XYZ um, knowing all the information is, is there a point where they should potentially step in and say um, I, don't, I don't know how they could do it without breaking rules but yeah it's interesting isn't it that it can all go through while there is a, a party that knows about it and they couldn't do anything about it to help us out and a little bit of a quick turn it up to Soss as well because I mean he obviously would have had some idea of what the issues were and yet he was pushing for pick 12 I mean like 
he would have, I reckon, I mean, maybe not him personally, but I reckon the Carlton Football Club would have had some idea that, you know, maybe Aaron's time was limited. And so, you know, yeah, it's our fault for, you know, maybe making a dud buy, but at the same time, you know, I don't know, like that, that seems a bit dodgy to me, but I'm, I'm smells, maybe not from a legal perspective, but. <laughs> it smells very <laughs> Carlton, doesn't it? It does yeah. a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose the other big issue out of all this is it, it was alleged that he was never drug tested while with us because he um, had mental health, health issues. Yeah. And I, I think the AFL need to change the policy not to catch people out, but more for the players' own health and safety because mental health issues often does correlate to heavy drug use. Um, and we don't want players to be doing that and harming their bodies. So it would be nice to see the AFL change it just to try and keep everyone in line and, and healthy above all else. But um, yeah. In in the end, he sorted himself out really well. Yes, so, which is the the best part of the story, and it, it is. Yeah. It's great to see him happy and and enjoying what he's doing in life now. So that's the most important part out of it. One thing yeah, I think really. a lot of people have forgotten as well is that he's. I mean, sorry to rain on the the happiness parade, but he is actually officially listed with us still. So again, to, to come back to the more technical side of things, yeah, it's great that he's had a good situation and he's been able to get through it with that. But I mean. I care about the Richmond Football Club. I don't necessarily, this is going to sound harsh, but I don't necessarily care about Chris Yaron individually. I care about the Richmond Football Club. I want us to get the best possible outcome from this as well. Is there a way we could keep it on the list? Is that even possible? I, I don't know. Like, what's the what's the process that, that looks like? I don't know. Like you said, though, if he's still contracted to us and we're still paying his wage and he says, I want to make a comeback, then surely by yeah. default we're first in line because he's still with he? I think it's like a mutual agreement. I think we agreed to let him play in the waffle, but I'm not sure how far it extended um, to okay. being fully released from his contract or not. But it would be interesting to know because, really, if he's fit and healthy and, and in the right mindset, he'd be a quality addition to have into the team, hence why we wanted to get him in. Exactly, um, yeah. So if he is in that right mind space, uh, yeah, if and the club was confident that he was past it all, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be good to get him back in. Could you imagine his ball use off halfback at the moment? I mean, that's where I feel sometimes we can get, um, you know, let ourselves down a little bit. Just imagine him carving through the uh, the halfback line with his speed and whatnot. I mean, we'd be pushing for the flag, um, you know, out there with the Swans, I reckon. And we don't need the new, we don't need the small forwards anymore either, because I mean, that was the thing. It was one or the other. We've got Butler, Rioli, Castagna, uh, and those guys now, so we can literally just plunk plunk him on a halfback line. He's good to go. And, I mean, yeah. again, it's a long shot, probably not going to happen, but I'm just saying that if he's officially still listed with us, it could be worth at least having a chat to him and seeing if he would be willing to come back and play for us. Um, yeah, I agree. Yep. You know? yep. <laughs> well, hopefully that's a bit of a watch this space. But, yeah, all the best to Yaz one way or another. Yeah, well, I'll sure. push on to the VFL update. Uh, so the VFL boys had a really good win as well. They won 22-17-149, defeated Sandringham 12-7-79, winning by 70 points. And that puts us into fifth spot on the ladder, and that's now officially secured a final spot, which is an excellent result for the VFL team. The Richmond goal kickers, we had Lloyd with four, Moore with two, Short with two, Lennon with two, Stengel with two, Hampson with two, Bolton with two, Elton with two, and with 
all with one each. We had Morris, Ellis, Miles, and Menadue. And the Richmond listed best players were Lloyd, Short, Moore, Miles, Ellis, and Batchelor. Um, obviously, the, the big game was from Sammy Lloyd. He had 50 disposals and four goals. Cool. And Miles had 45 disposals. And amazingly, both might still struggle to get a, a gig in the side this week. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't see how you can drop uh, any players out of a what was a 104-point win side. I, mean, yeah. I thought they were all immaculate. But who do you who do you take out? Well, that's right. I suppose the big positive, though, is there's a lot of players in the VFL performing well um, at a high level. So at least if there was an injury or there was a slight drop of form, there there is people pushing to get into the side, which is always a good sign. Yeah, I can't remember for years us ever having any real depth. I mean, it's something that we've just never had as Richmond. You know, we... I mean, look at Delenio when he was playing for us. Our record record without him was just horrible. Like if Delenio went down, it's pretty much when Richard went down with him. Like now we've got you know Miles racking up forty five possessions, Lloyd racking up fifty. I mean, that's yeah. pretty good depth to have um, those sort of players that just can't get a gig inside. And um, just like last year, I, I think we finished around the thirteenth spot. So it's it's if I'm correct, but uh, it's it's definitely a, it's definitely a big improvement and good to see. And it does show the, our depth. It does. And the biggest sign of that is that when players are called up to come into the team, they perform their role straight away. It's exactly like what Hawthorne do and what um, Geelong do and Collingwood have got those existing VFL teams, that players can come in seamlessly and play their role and you're not missing out on anything. And that's a really good spot to have gotten to finally. I think with um, also, I mean, if you look at uh, even the Bulldogs, I mean, I look, my opinions on the Bulldogs are, well, not maybe not well-known on the Richmond board, but on the Western Bulldogs board, I'm not a massive, uh, they're not a big fan of me over there, put it that way. I don't think the Bulldogs are that great, but I think that they had a great season last season based on their VFL season and also their VFL season from the previous year. Um, a lot of their young players that came through, um, you know, their VFL team spiked in performance and it was no coincidence that their AFL team also spiked in performance as well. I think um, a great sign of our AFL year this year was the VFL season in the last five or six games last year. Because I think we went on a run where we won about six or seven in a row. And we didn't quite make finals because we had a bad start to the year. But I think that that six or seven games in a row really built those young players up to come in that, you know, Butler in round one, Castagna, those sort of guys came in and hit the ground running. Um, So I think having a good VFL system in place is incredibly important. And the fact that we've got both teams sort of contending for top four, it's a great sign for our future, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it's a very good sign. And uh, this is obviously exactly why we wanted to push so hard to get our own standalone VFL team so we could do exactly this. So it's obviously paying off now, which is nice. We'll move on to the preview of this of this week's game against St Kilda. This is the deciding game for us. The equation's pretty simple. We win and we'll finish in the top four and play in a qualifying final for the first time since 2001. Um, personally, I don't care which part of the top four we're in as long as we're in it. If we're to win, the margin obviously will play a part in the final standings in the top four. Um, But I think for all of us, four points is four points. The other outcomes that would be good for us to happen is it'd be nice if Essendon and Melbourne both win their games because they obviously played before us. So that way, there's no way St Kilda can make it, which will hopefully deflate them a little bit. But then there's obviously the Nick Rewalt playing his last game as well, which is a massive factor. And yeah. he's an absolute legend of the club, and if not the game. And he's had a, a pretty amazing career, but 
we are milestone killers, so hopefully we can do another one this week. Uh, Reaper, what are your thoughts on the game? Um, yeah, it's, it's a funny one because of the uh, the absolute capitulation of the last time we played them. Um, I, I remember sitting there when we when we played them last time, and it was about eighty six to ten near half time, and I was laughing because I just thought there's no way we're this bad, and there's no way they're that good. Uh, and I said to myself, look, we'll have a chance to square it up later in the year, being at the MCG. Um, you know, for me, um, I think a big one, and obviously speaking about matchups and that type of thing, um, Jack Rewalt um, is going to have to have a big game. I think that when he has a big game against the Saints, we generally win. Um, you know, he, he often kicks a bag against them, like six. I think he's kicked even seven or eight goals a few times before against them. Um, I think his opponent will probably be Nathan Brown. Um, so... With Nathan Brown, he's had a bit of a uh, – well, he's had a pretty decent season. I, I don't know the specific stats on him, but, I mean, in terms of that, I think that I think that Rewalt's got his measure. Uh, I think Jack Rewalt's an All-Australian column medalist. We need him in this game to step up and kick a bag. And that, that to me, that's where it's won or lost. Um, you know, the small forwards can do their job and do what they need to do, but we need Rewalt to kick a bag. He kicked four goals against Freo, and he wasn't that convincing. We need him to step up. Yeah, and like you mentioned, the, the game against them last time was really weird. Uh, I, I agree with what you said. There was no way we could ever play that bad again and they could play that good again. It was just literally one of those days um, that you just have to ride off. But I just want to mention something that Grokodok mentions in his episode the week after our last St Kilda game. And he made a good point that St Kilda's game style does have some similarities to Adelaide, uh, which has proven the troubles in the past. So even though that game was a bit weird in how it all panned out, I think they still do have the players in the game plan that, that could trouble us potentially. So we really need to make sure that we, we are going in a lot harder than what we were last time. Tigers fan, what are your thoughts on the game? I reckon that they are, they won't be able to hurt us as quickly. Uh, considering that uh, when we played them last, it was under the, the roof that Eddie had. But um, I, I think um, our forward line definitely needs to turn up again. And I I, I, I agree that Jack Rewalt needs to have a big game, but sometimes, I mean, we, we saw it against Hawthorne, how everyone sort of, you know, swarmed to make the tackle and then Josh Caddy ended up kicking four. But really... That was all a result of other um, the, the teamwork within the forward line. So I reckon that we um, we can do that again, like we did against Freo and Hawthorne. And um, if Jack kicks a bag, bonus, you know. Fair enough. And even Exhale, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, obviously being there last time at Eddie in, in that uh, ground, you know, watching them, their their ball use was just so fast. And I just said to myself, you know, when we play them again in round twenty three, I can't. I can't see them playing that sort of style again. And obviously, you know, with our boys, um, I heard that they had a cold virus or something go through the club before the game or something um, that could have been, you know, putting them off, I guess. But, um, you know, Alex Rance, as a, uh, has, he's got a point to prove this week, obviously, with what happened last time being destroyed by... Uh, Nick Revolt, but I mean, he'll obviously maybe go to memory. He's even having a, a pretty decent season. I think he's kicked you know, over 30 goals or something. Um, kicked three last week, so he'll be up and about. I mean, if if Dimmer decides to put, maybe move him away from old Rui being on his last game. But I, yeah, for me, I, I I can see Alex Rance having an absolute blinder because I think when he goes out there with, with a point to prove, I mean... I hope he's, uh, you know, unstoppable as as he has been for the most part of the season. And um, 
just just quickly, um, in my opinion, Alex Rance is uh, he's a very good lockdown defender, but I'd prefer to see him on the uh, on the second forward, so he can really rebound and because you know we've seen him get beaten three times at, at least this year, dominated throughout a match um, where he has been on the uh, the key forward. So I prefer Asprey or Grimes to go to Rewald actually. Yeah, definitely. When he plays that sort of loose, you know, intercepting, you know, marking, yeah. you know, that's when he's at his at his absolute power. Um, yeah, because, yeah, he can get beaten one-on-one. You know, it doesn't happen that often. I mean, he's still one of the premier defenders as it is. But, yeah, he definitely is one of those, you know, intercepting, marking defenders. Yeah, he's an absolute weapon. Yeah. With the Saints, I think it comes down to, like, it, it, they've got a decent spine. But I think if the, Sa- the Saints, to me, are a lot like the Bulldogs. If they don't come with manic pressure, they're an average team. And that's not to disrespect them. Like, I'm not saying they're awful, but they're, they're a team that, like, it, I mean, let's, for example, let's have a look at the record since the last time we played them. When they finished smashing us that day at Etihad, we're both nine and six. Now, we've gone on to go 14 and seven. They're, what, 11 and 10 now? So they've proven they're not a consistent team. And all we need to do is, if they come with their manic pressure, we need to just stand up for a quarter and match it. If we can match it, we'll overrun them. But if it's the thing, the problem last time is that, um, you know, we, we just, whether it was a virus or whether it was just, you know, being tired from being up for a little bit, we just, we didn't come with any pressure. We didn't come with any, any real effort and intensity and St. Kilda were able to do what they want. And I think in any you know, if, if it's sort of like Hardwick says, if you're 5% off and they're 5% on above their normal, there's a, there, there can be crazy results. And I just think that if we, we have to come with an attitude of, you know, do or die, like but we have to play as if we're playing for a spot in the finals, not for top four. And, and I think if we look at it like that, yeah. Yeah, they'll definitely. They're pretty positive the players are going to be out for retribution for what happened last time. Oh, and yeah, they, they will not want to be embarrassed like that again, especially with what's on the line. I mean, it's just the Nick Real factor for me is quite a huge one. It's going to be a pretty emotional day for both he and Jack and all the St Kilda players. So I think the key to the game is also going to be getting some early scoreboard pressure against them to try and just kill that out a little bit because if they get on if they kick the first three or four goals and get on a roll then all hell could break loose so we have to I reckon we have to try and hit the scoreboard first um, and just really try and get on top of them early Membry going back to Membry he kicked five against us last time so we do have to pay some close attention to him um, I agree with maybe not having Rants on Rewald but maybe even Vlosten could play on memory or something. I, mean, Vlosten, I, don't, I don't know if he played last time, but he's been exceptional the last few weeks. So I wouldn't mind awesome. seeing... Yeah, he's been very good. And the other the player first in Kilda... He could, yeah. but I wouldn't mind seeing Grimes follow Rewild up the ground because Asprey's too valuable. We need him mm. a bit deeper for the intercept marking. Same kind of thing as Rance, but... Yeah, surely, I don't know. Like, surely Grimes wants one back at him for that dirty cheap shot he gave him uh, the last time he played, cleaning him up. Memory. Memory. Yeah, was that when he had the big shiner under his eye? Was that that game? Yeah. Yeah, that, that I remember. Um, everyone was like, oh, he's going to be out next week. Cushion, he was he's tough as. Yeah, straight back. Like a cat, bounded straight yeah. back. What, are we, what, what, what are our thoughts? This is just a random idea that it's come up to me, but what are our thoughts of like putting, you know how Prestia did a few run with roles, um, when, you know, sort of to get himself back into form? What if we ran him with Steven? Would that be something, do you think, that would be open to looking at, do you reckon, or...? 
I don't reckon Stevens has been that damaging, to be honest. He gets the ball, but he hasn't hurt anyone. I wouldn't. I'd like to see Pressy go to Seb Ross. He's the one who killed us. Right. Yeah. yeah. He destroyed us last time. But I think the idea has a lot of merit to um, to have him just follow someone closely because Prestia, when he did that, was pretty good. Okay. Yeah, no, it's a tough one because obviously Prestia is a ball winner himself when he's on, but you know, and he has found some good form. But I know, I think I remember last time he was very average against the Saints, and I think we all were. They, they all yeah. were. But, um, you know, he was one of the specifically poor um, players on the night. So maybe if, um, hopefully, his confidence hasn't been dented by that um, playing them. Playing them. And do we think the playing at the MCG is an actual factor in the game compared to being played at Etihad? I, I think it is, yeah. Huge, I reckon. We, we, we play the MCG just... I, I find that that narrow, that narrow Etihad ground, you know, cuts off a bit of our run for us. Like, look at our record over at Subiaco. That's a, that's a larger ground like the MCG. I mean, we seem to just play a lot better football on those bigger grounds for whatever reason. Same with Geelong. I mean, we seem to get suffocated on the smaller grounds for, for whatever reason. I'm not I sure, feel like the suffoca- I feel I feel like the suffocation comes from the lack of tools that we have because yeah. our game re- yeah. relies on spread. And if we've got, to- if, if, if it's a narrow ground that it- tall players can get more dominance, I think. And I think that's why we struggled at Simmons. That's why if we play Geelong in a qualifying final at the MCG, I think we'll win it. And that's why I think that we don't play well at Eddie Hatt is because we just don't have the tall timber. Um, we, we need a wide open ground like Subiaco or like the MCG where we can use our spread and, and really outrun teams. I think that's my yeah, opinion. Definitely. I don't know if it's true. I feel like that could be the, the reason potentially. I can't remember the last time we played St Kilda at the MCG. I think it was last year. It was last year. Yeah, that absolutely horrible. Really band, ugly, like, low scoring. Yeah, fifty-two to. 39 or something like that, yeah. Okay, it feels like it's been longer for some reason. I think the next week, Sydney belted us by about 23 goals. So that goes to show we were probably in the same form in both games, and yet St Kilda could only beat us by 10 points, whereas Sydney went on and belted us by 110 points. So I think I think we've got them covered, honestly. Like, I'm not – I don't know. It's a tough one, though. <laughs> but I just feel like we've got them covered on the MCG. It's just um, nervous because – the game means something big for us. I know it means something for them as well, but playing for a top four spot's massive. Like that is such a huge advantage to have. And I just feel like every time we have a game that's worth something really good, we tend to stuff it up. We do a Richmond. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's I, a, I, I, I thought I thought um, yeah, I, I thought we'd lose last week. Actually, I, I I didn't I didn't think we'd lose. I just had that feeling, and I've got the sort of same feeling this week. But I suppose that's just because of our history, really. It's not actually down to our ability. We all just mentally prepare ourselves to fall. Yeah. <laughs> Have that safe. What are the repercussions of losing? I think we, we would have to we'd probably fall to six, wouldn't we? Yeah, six. And very likely that we'd probably play Melbourne, I think, looking at the ladder today. Um, or Essendon, but probably more likely Melbourne. So assuming that they win. Which I, I don't think I'd like to play Melbourne to be honest. No, I'm the same. I rate. I, I had Melbourne in my top four 
at the beginning of the year. I thought that would be the team. There was the big debate about Melbourne and St Kilda. I always thought Melbourne were a class above and I probably wouldn't want to play them in a final. But then again, at the same time, you know, we should embrace the pressure because we're going to have to beat some good teams to win a grand final. So yeah. maybe it would be good to play Melbourne. I don't know. Like it's, it's a tough one. It's hard to, hard to really measure. It is. The top four, though, would be ideal. Even if, like, even if we played Adelaide and Adelaide, no one expects us to win that. So for me, that would be a free hit. And you just never know what happens in a game of footy when you're playing with that mentality. Yeah. And also, you know, it gets straight through to the semis if we lose. So it's definitely a huge advantage. Yes. Oh, look, I'm just glad that we are going to be playing finals after what happened Definitely, last year. I yeah. think that's that's a massive tick for Hardwick and the club. Um, everyone in well, on Big Footy, in the media, everywhere, had us penned in for bottom four at the absolute best based on what we dished up last year, and which is probably fair enough. So to come out and, and do what he's done with the team is exceptional. And for him to even call it in the pre-season that we'll be playing finals this year. That's a ballsy thing to say in a press conference. Um, but he's come through with the goods, so full marks to him and the club, and, and hopefully we can make a good shake of it. I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure he actually said even during last season when we were getting flogged. Like, I think he was on the couch, um, maybe it was like towards the end of the year, and they were saying, what's gone wrong, all that sort of stuff. And he was like, if we're not back in finals next year... Uh, I'll be very disappointed. I, I, I could be wrong. It might, maybe it was after the season had finished, but I, I'm pretty sure he said that. Like, and then we got belted by Sydney a few weeks later, and people were laughing at him. So I mean, it's, it's you know, it's a tough one, isn't it? But like, I, I think that um, I don't know. I don't. He's not a genius, but I think that he's a lot smarter than a lot of people give him credit for. Hardwick. Definitely. And just going back to this week's game for a sec, I've written down possible changes. Are we all in agreement that it's going to be very difficult to make a change in a team that won by 104 points? Or was there anyone that you might see come in? The the only note I had written down was I wouldn't be shocked if the match committee wanted to see how Hampson went for a game in AFL level before finals, just in case they want to go with two Ruckman depending on the lineup. But who do you drop? Yeah, I would. Um, I, I would say that there there'll probably be uh one change. It'll it'll just be resting someone who's knackered before the finals, really. Even though there is a week off, you know. It'll, it'll be someone like Daniel. Yeah, you go. Sorry. It it'll be someone like um Nank or or Grig or Rioli, but it, it's it's not. It's definitely not down to our our performance last week. I'd give Castagna a rest because I think he seems to have faded a little bit. Um, I think I, I feel like one of those three, not necessarily for performance, but one of the three out of Rioli, Butler, or Castagna probably need a rest. Or yeah. Just at some point. Now, I know we're going to get that week off with the vibe, with the, sorry, the pre-finals, whatever it is, the week off. But I just feel like maybe you could probably afford to give one of those three, you know, off and maybe trial out a two-tall, you know, maybe give Elton one more game to give himself a, you know, prove himself or, or, or something like that. You know, we don't want it to be too crazy with our our changes, but I mean... We just, yeah, we got, we got a top four spot on the line here, you know. But I think, like, at the end of the day, like, are we aiming for top four or do we want to aim to be a team that can win a premiership? Because there's a difference between those two things. And I think that if we're going in just happy as top four even, you know, we, there's no guarantee that we won't go out in straight sets. We want to we win. And so yeah. you know, that, 
I don't know. That, that's just my view on it. I could be wrong, but like, I just feel that we should try things w- within reason um, to give us options because if we're just one dimensional with our pressure setup, um, at, we've seen Adelaide, we've seen St Kilda, you know, if we don't bring the manic pressure, they can figure us out pretty, pretty easily. Um, and those are the teams we're going to be, well, I mean, not St Kilda, but we're going to be playing the Adelaides and the GWSs and those types in the finals. We're not going to be playing the Fremantle. So, I don't know. I don't know. Tough one. Tough one. Yeah, interesting selection this week. Um, all right, before we finish up, we'll get a prediction from everyone. So, Reaper, I'll start with you. What's your prediction and margin for the game? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a tight game in the first half, and I think that uh, we will end up pulling away from them late in the game when their emotion runs out, and I think we will be a clinical win. I think we'll do it by 24 points, and I think my tip is for uh, Townsend to cement his place in the team and kick three goals. I like it. And Tigers fan, what, what's your prediction? Um, I've got my prediction down as 27. Um, just, I, I just reckon it'll be sort of two, three, four goals in front most of the game and just sort of stay that way, really. Uh, we've, we've done that a few times this year. Hopefully we can do that again. Yep. And even Exhale, what's your prediction? Yeah, look, I, I see even, uh, you know, a little bit more of a uh, cruisier win. I've got to stand for 43 points, um, get it up. But my prediction is good old Oleg Markov making a breakout game, 30 touches and three goals to, uh, you know, really crush the uh, poop the party of Rue, even though he's been such a champion for him. It'll be uh, sad to sad to send him off. He unfortunately didn't get a, uh, get a flag with him. But, um, yeah, no, it'll be... It'll be it's an interesting game, I guess. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think I've gone a little bit more conservative. I've got us down for 20 points, but that could just be the feeling, the effects from last time. I just hope we get ourselves into a winning position early. The last thing we want to do is have to be fighting back to to try and win the game late. We want to be in that comfortable position um, and just get through it unscathed, really. And I think Townsend's going to back it up again. I reckon he's going to have another big game. So hopefully he can cement his spot as well. And a reminder to listeners of the game info. So the game's on Sunday at 3.20pm, which is coincidentally my birthday. So it'd be nice for the, the Tigers to give me a good birthday present for the big 30th. So that would be a nice present to have. Yeah, yeah that'd be all right. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Birthday. Uh, so the game 3.20 on Sunday at the MCG. And it is on Channel 7 from 3pm and Fox Footy from 3pm as well so it's good that it's on free to air and the VFL boys are playing Coburg at Punt Road on the Sunday as well at 12 o'clock so make sure you get across and cheer them on as well given that they have locked in a, uh, a final spot too so Tigers fan Reaper and even Exhale thank you very much for coming onto the show guys it was good to have a, a, a triple triple guest list this week and uh, I hope you enjoyed it thank you thanks for, thanks for having me thanks for having me yep appreciate it no worries at all until next time go Tigers Go Tigers. Go Tigers.